This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. If you would, would you turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 this morning for the scripture reading? We're reading 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we'll read verses 10 down through 17. 1 Corinthians 3, would you stand? Starting in verse 10. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Let's pray. Father, we do come again in the name of Jesus. Uh, Lord, we thank You. Thank You for Your Word. Lord, thank You for Your Spirit that indwells us and leads us into all truth, opens up our minds so that we may hear and receive. And for Your work within us changing us, Lord, we pray. Lord, grant understanding today as we consider the passage before us. Pray that You use Your truth to sanctify us as You've said in Your Word. May our love for You grow as a result. May our passion for Your work in this world be stronger as a result. May all of these things work to bring glory and honor and praise to You. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Thank you, Zach. And <clears throat> Michael, appreciate that. And I should have mentioned earlier, um, Emily Christ is uh, still in the hospital up at Willis Knight in Piermont. And uh, they're still doing tests um, to find out what's going on with her. So uh, please remember uh, Emily in prayer. All right. We, um, picking up where we left off last week in our study in Corinthians, and uh, we're picking up with a little bit different metaphor today than the one used last week, but it's, uh, it's basically the same message. So I want to start by just going through some of that and uh, tell you what's the same and what's different and, and um, what Paul's um, purpose is behind it here, what the Holy Spirit's purpose is behind it. So, uh, he's, Paul is still expounding here on the nature of the church. Remember, we, we talked about that last week as being uh, the, the primary 
uh, issue here. The, the Corinthians aren't understanding uh, who they are. They aren't understanding the, uh, the role of leadership. In other words, they're confused about uh, Paul and Apollos and Peter and, and, and their roles and how those things play out. They're confused, apparently, uh, about the gospel, the importance of the purity of the gospel. They're confused about um, their own role as, as the church, the, the nature of the church. And so Paul begins to use some metaphors here to, uh, to straighten, straighten those things out and then uh, make some application here that I want to come back to in a moment. But starting in verse... Uh, um, and actually, I'm going to go back to verse 6 because I want to read this other, other metaphor. But, but just keep that in mind. Paul is still expounding on the nature of the church and specifically... Um, the local church. And it would be good, I think, to think in those terms as we're reading this because not, not, that this, not that what he says here doesn't apply to the church universal. It does. But a lot of times we're, we're real quick to think um, about these passages in that light. I think what, what Paul is really dealing with here is the local church, specifically in this case, the church at Corinth. So, so when he's talking about the nature of the church here, he's talking about the nature of the local church, the church at Corinth. So there's application um, for us here as the church at Fillmore, right? <laughs> Some great application. It is, it, it is relevant to, uh, to where we're at right now. So just keep that in mind. He's, he's not just speaking of the... The, the church in its uh, broadest sense, the church universal, but he's talking specifically about a local body of believers and, and who they are um, in, in Christ and what, what they're about, what they're supposed to be about. So, he uses a couple of uh, metaphors here to, uh, to drive his point home. And the first one was that of a form, and, a, and we, uh, we talked about this one last week, so I'm just going to run through it briefly here. But he says in verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. So there are basically uh, four particulars here that he uses uh, the first one being the one who planted. It's a reference to himself. Paul is the one who founded the church at Corinth. He says, I planted. And, and the, reason behind, the reason he's doing this, and he's going to talk about uh, the, the oneness that exists between himself and Apollos, and the fact that they, uh, they are together, nothing, <laughs> and God is everything. The reason he's doing this is, is because of the, the schisms within the church and some setting one leader against another and not understanding that ultimately it is God who gives the growth, God that does everything. We're, we're just servants, Paul says. So Paul says, I'm the one who planted. That is, Paul founded the church. Then you have the one who watered, which is a representative of Apollos here, verse 6. Apollos watered. In other words, Paul says, I planted, I founded the church, and then someone comes behind me and builds on the work. And so Apollos comes to Corinth following Paul and continues the teaching ministry among them. And they, they have, they're, they're different people. They have different personalities. They have different styles. 
And so this is, again, is one of the, the reasons for the schisms. Some people like Apollos, and they say, I'm of Apollos. Some people like Paul, I'm of Paul. And Paul is saying, look, we're just servants in the field. Yes, we have a little different function. I planted, Apollos watered, but we're nothing. We're nothing. It's not, it's not about us. We're not making disciples of Paul and disciples of Apollos. We're making disciples of Christ. That's what we're working for. We're co-laborers. Alright, so the third um, particular here being the one who gives the growth. That, of course, is God who is uh, set forth here uh, in this um, analogy, not only as the one who gives growth, but as the owner. And I talked a little bit about that in verse 9 last week. Uh, Three times here, Paul says, uh, uh, you are God's fellow worker. He, that is, he uses a possessive form of the, for the word God. Puts God right up in the front of each phrase for emphasis. You're, we're God's fellow workers. You are God's field and God's building. That is, God is the owner. That's what he's saying in each of those phrases. We're nothing. God is everything. He's the one who gives growth. He's the one who owns the field. And so, fourthly, you have the field, which is the congregation at Corinth. And again, just in the context, um, Paul's speaking specifically about the local church there. It's true that all the church, the church universal, is the church of God. But, um, but again, he's, he has in mind here this particular work. So, again, I think it's great application for the local church. We, we, uh, we should understand, just as Paul is, uh, is telling the Corinthians, the church, not only the church universal, but Fillmore Baptist Church or First Baptist Church or whatever it is, the church belongs to God. It's God's field. It's God's field. The, the leaders in, in uh, any given church are just workers in the field. Some plant, some water, but the field belongs to God and God gives the increase. Now, in verse 9, Paul makes a shift, and this is where we're, we're going today, to the second metaphor, and this time it's that of a building. So you look at those phrases again in verse 9, Paul says, For we, meaning himself and Apollos, for we are God's fellow workers. We, belong, we just belong to God. We're servants. And, and he doesn't mean, by, by the way, that um, Apollos and I are helping God bring about the growth. That's not what he means by fellow worker. He's saying Apollos and I are fellow workers who belong to God. We're God's fellow workers. We're one, Paul says. Not one above the other. So, we're God's fellow workers. You, the church at Corinth, are God's field. And, now he makes the transition to the building metaphor and you are God's building. And this is because that's where he's headed in the following, the following verses. He's kind of making the same, uh, same points, similar points, using a different metaphor. And, and there is a, a little different nuance to it that we'll, we'll talk about as well. So in verse 10, uh, According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Now, Again, there's going to be four particulars here. Um, three of them the same, represented by uh, different, different things here, but, but the same. And then uh, the fourth one is a little different. 
The first one, of course, is the master builder. That's Paul, the skilled master builder. He says in verse 10, um, I'm, I'm like a skilled master builder. I laid a foundation. That's, that's, again, his reference to founding the church at Corinth. I planted. I laid a foundation. And, secondly, someone else is building upon it. Now, there's going to be a change here. You might say, okay, I'm looking at the last metaphor. This, this is Apollos. Someone else is building on it. Now Paul is talking about Apollos. Just like in the last metaphor, he said, I planted Apollos water. Well, there's a change here because now he begins to talk about, uh, kind of in, in general terms, about other workers in Corinth. And it's hard to know what he has in mind here. He, he, he uses terms like anyone who or each one who does a certain thing, who, who, who um, builds. So this is not necessarily Apollos, although Apollos does come behind him and build, but it could be anyone who is coming in teaching or working, that is, um, building up on the foundation that Paul has laid. I'll come back to that and try to explain it a little more uh, momentarily. The next one is the, the building. Here, instead of a field, we have a building. And again, the building is the church at Corinth. The congregation. The congregation at Corinth. In the last metaphor, it it was the field that represented the congregation. And then again here, you have as the owner, God. Look back at verse 9. You are God's building. God's building. You belong to God. This is the point he's going to continue to make. You get over into chapter 6. He says, you're bought with a price. You're not your own. wonder why he has to continue to make that point. We, we forget that, don't we? <laughs> we're, quick, we're quick to operate as though um, we own ourselves. All right? So Paul, again, he's, he's saying, you belong to God. You, the church, as a church, belong to God. Now, that's, that's true of each one of us individually as well, and, and we need to keep that in mind. But again, here, the context, he's, he's talking about the congregation. So... He says, I'm a skilled master builder, verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me. We, again, talked about last week how, how God gives different assignments to different ones. Um, so, again, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered. Um, one is not above the other. They just had a different, different assignments. They had different functions. And so, Paul says, according to the grace of God given to me, that is, the way in which God enabled him, the calling to which He called him, the way He, he graced him. He gives, gives different gifts to different people. Paul is an apostle. He's a church planter. Uh, so Paul says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Now, I want to uh, point out one thing here um, in his reference to himself. Like a skilled master builder, or some of your translations may say wise, like a wise master builder, um, he, he uses there the word for wisdom, wise master builder. And, and, uh, and again, what he's, what he's doing, if you remember from previous weeks, 
the indictment against the Corinthians is that they are, they are pursuing worldly wisdom. They have, uh, or at least are in danger of forsaking the gospel for this pursuit of wisdom. And Paul keeps bringing them back to the gospel, the word of the cross, Christ crucified. But they're thinking um, in their old pagan ways. Um, they are enamored with um, eloquent speech, rhetoric, worldly wisdom. And so Paul shows them in the first couple of chapters, like we talked about, um, that the true wisdom is found in the gospel. It's foolishness to, to, uh, to the world, he says. It's foolishness to you. But God has shown um, that it's the true wisdom. It makes the wisdom of this world foolish. God, God's work in Christ has made worldly wisdom uh, manifestly foolish and shown his, his own plan, his own ways to be the true wisdom. All right, so now Paul uses that term here from the same word group like a wise master builder. And I think that's why he's doing that. He's saying again, you, you've accused me of being unspiritual. You've accused me of being foolish. But according to the grace, the gifting that God has given me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. So, again, he's making the case that what I have given you, that is the gospel, the word of the cross, Christ and Him crucified, what I have preached to you is the true wisdom. It may be considered foolishness by the world, but it's the wisdom of God, and for us, the power of God unto salvation. So, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. What's the foundation? It tells us, doesn't it? A little further down, Jesus Christ. I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Now, this is, this is what he... Uh, seems to be addressing in this particular metaphor. Um, probably doesn't have one person in mind like in the previous one. He, he either has, it seems to me, he either has in mind other teachers who are, who are teaching wrong, wrongly, or uh, there, there may be some application here for just uh, everybody working in general. That is, everybody as you do the work as a church... You're building on the foundation, leaders and, and uh, all, of, all of the saints included. I think it's probably, uh, I think he probably has in mind other teachers, but, but uh, it's going to be application both ways. So in some sense, every, every member of the church, every believer is building in some way. Maybe good, maybe in, maybe in the right way, maybe bad, maybe using wrong material what he's going to address. So he says, someone else is building upon it. That is, upon the foundation that I have laid. Now, he gives some warnings here. Here's the first one. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. See, this is what he's concerned with. How, how, the, how the structure goes up. How the, how the building continues. I laid a foundation. I planted Others come along and water or build, but it's important what kind of building is done. 
Paul's saying, I've got the right foundation down. But you can't just build on that any old way that you like. What, what happens if you build in a, in, a, in a wrong manner or use wrong material like he's going to discuss here, uh, it may sound strange in the analogy, but just, let's just bring it into real life. What, what happens is eventually at some point you have to change out the foundation. Because there has to be a consistency between the nature of the, the building, the superstructure, and the foundation. Years ago, uh, before I was... Before I knew the Lord, before I was saved, I had a friend that had a uh, studio up in Shreveport. And this was, if you know anything about music and recording, you know that it's relatively easy today. Uh, I mean, people can have some pretty elaborate um, studios in their living room today for, for a, a relatively reasonable cost and, and get really good quality. wasn't that way back in the 80s. <laughs> and, and this guy built um, because his, his family had... Some funds. This guy built a a a studio that was that was Nashville quality or Los Angeles quality in a in a bad neighborhood in the middle of Shreveport. And what he did was bought a old church building. And the main room was probably about the size of this one. And and turned it into an amazing uh, recording studio. But he called another friend of mine, which I didn't even know at the time. I found this out years later. Uh, some of you know Mike Harris. Mike Harris used to be in the foundation repair business. And the f- first friend, the friend with the recording studio, calls Mike Harris and, and says, yeah, I want you to come do a bid on a job. And he told him what he was doing. He said, I'm building a, I bought this old church building, and I'm going to turn it into a recording studio. The problem is, uh, in order to do that or to, or to make it, uh, you know, good as it can be, uh, and, and I don't know the particulars as to why this was the case, but he, he said, I, I need a new foundation. So he said, what I want you to do is come in and tear the foundation out <laughs> and pour a new one to specs. And, and Mike didn't wind up doing the job, but he did, he did a bit on it. And he told me about that years later. Uh, wanted, wanted him to actually come in and rip the foundation out. And, it, you know, and it had something to do, I'm not a sound tech, but it had something to do with the quality he was trying to get and needed to be replaced. So he, all of this work he was doing on the walls and ceiling and all that, he, the, the foundation needed to be consistent with that in order to get the proper, the proper ambiance, the proper sound. And so he realized, you know, there's an inconsistency, but what we're going to have to do is replace the foundation. I think that's what Paul's warning against here. If, if you build inconsistently with the gospel, then at some point you wind up just doing away with the, the gospel. At some point you realize that the foundation doesn't match the superstructure that we've erected, and so you say, well, let's just, let's just rip the old foundation out and put down a new one. And I think... At least in, in the world of, of, of uh, professing Christianity, nominal Christianity, you might say cultural Christianity, uh, that's what we're seeing today. There's great efforts being made to replace the foundation. You know, there's, there's one sense in which we can say, just like Corinth, Paul, as the apostle to the Gentiles, uh, in one sense, 
laid the foundation for us as well. We're still building. He didn't found, personally, he didn't found Fillmore Baptist Church. But, again, by bringing the gospel to the Gentiles, we're, we are probably um, basically direct descendants of his work. And so, in one sense, we today are still building on the foundation that Paul laid. And he's saying, watch, take heed, take care how you build. There needs to be a consistency between the foundation and the structure. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he's saying, the work must be Christ-centered. Now, I think he's doing the same thing here um, that, he, that he did back in chapter 1. He's using some, some shorthand here. So when he says the foundation is Jesus Christ, I think that's, that's a way of saying the gospel. In other words, Paul's saying, what I put down, what I, what I put down as the foundation um, was Christ, or as he says earlier, Christ in Him crucified. The Word of the cross. In other words, everything, all of Paul's work is Christocentric. It's centered upon the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's all, it's all about Christ and His cross. And he's saying no other, no other foundation can be laid. That is, there's no other legitimate one. There, there are, again, people that make efforts to change the foundation. He's saying it's not going to work. And if there's... I, I mentioned Mike Harris a little earlier, and I worked for him for a short time. So I didn't learn a whole lot um, because, I'm, one, I'm not real smart. Number two, I, didn't, I wasn't working with him very long. But one thing I learned, if you've got a faulty foundation, you've got a faulty building. So at some point, I've seen, even in the short time I worked with him, people would take stuff like they, they have cracks in the brick mortar and they would take, like, toothpaste and stick it in there and cover it up. Or, or a crack in the wall, they could put tooth, toothpaste in it and paint over it. Or something like that. And you can get away with that for a little while. I mean, you can make it look good. But if the foundation's bad, eventually it crumbles. And so I think that's what Paul's saying. You can't lay another foundation, not, not another good one, not another legitimate one. If you put down a faulty foundation, you've got a faulty building. And in the end... It's not going to have any eternal value. So, if you move away from the gospel, not, not just as the foundation, but even in the building, and there has to be, for the, for the Christians, for the local church, there has to be a continual reliance upon the truth of the gospel in everything that we do. And I'm not against, I mean, you know, we, we love eating meetings around here, right? I'm not against eating meetings. <laughs> we like them. We enjoy them, especially when they're cooking catfish. Um, those, are, those are the really good ones. Um, you know, and it's, it's good to have, I mean, order a lot of pizza maybe to get kids to come. It's good to have all those things. But if those things, if, if all that activity is not centered around getting the message of Christ and Him crucified out, then they're all in vain. You, you wind up just, you know, you, you build something, you have some kind of structure but since it has a faulty foundation, it has no eternal value. 
and it eventually crumbles. So no other foundation can be laid other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he's calling them back again to a a gospel-centered focus. It must be about Christ and Him crucified. Now, verse 12, he says, If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. All right. It's interesting, isn't it? Let's go back to verse 12 again. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. So he gives us some examples. And there's basically two categories here. You've got the good stuff and the bad stuff. Gold, silver, precious stones. And, and I think what, what we're going to see in a moment, but what Paul has in view in all of this is, is the, the building of the temple, the Old, the Old Testament temple of God. I mean, he's he in an analogous way. He he has that in view as as a, as an analogy of the church, a metaphor for the church. And he's saying if if you you you've got a choice between two kinds of work that you can do. That which is good, that is, it's a value. It's good and and lasting, or you can use that which is not good. It's just, it doesn't have good value and it doesn't last. So you basically got two categories. The, the good material being the gold, silver, and precious stones. And the bad material being the wood, hay, um, which if you know, and, and the straw, wood, hay, and straw. And you know how that, uh, how that works when it's, when it's tested by fire, right? <laughs> It burns up. It's consumed. It doesn't last. It doesn't endure the test. So Paul's saying you can use good material or bad material. Now, what is he talking about here? I think, and there's all kinds of ways you can make application here, and we do. A lot of times we talk about these things in regard to our individual works, that is, as individual Christians, the way we live out our lives. There's some good application there. I mean, in other words, we, we do want to live in a manner that's consistent with God's truth, with the gospel, live for the glory of God. But again, I think what Paul has in view here mainly is the teaching that's going on. He says, I planted Paulus water. I laid a foundation, others build. So they, they, they come behind. Paul comes into Corinth initially preaching Christ and Him crucified, the Word of the cross. And Paul says, I, I, didn't, I didn't do it you know, with, with, uh, with eloquence of speech, wisdom, the wisdom of this age, uh, the, the, things of that nature. 
But, he says, my word came to you in power and in demonstration of the Spirit. So, in other words, it was really God at work and you were genuinely changed by the truth of the Gospel. So Paul says, I've, I've laid the foundation, Jesus Christ. Now others come in and build on that. That is, they continue the work. They continue teaching. Now we, we know, don't we, from some of the different uh, discussions we've had, making disciples is an ongoing process. You don't just, you don't just go in and say, uh, say this prayer, you're in, that's it. Okay, now we've got more disciples. It's, it's an it's a ongoing, lifelong process. Jesus said, as you go, Make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And that takes time. It takes time. And so it, it, it's a continual thing. And Paul says, I've laid the foundation. Others come in and build. And that's the idea. At least that's the way it's supposed to happen. There's a, this ongoing process of teaching people how to observe, teaching people to observe what Christ has commanded us. Now, if all of that is done, then you've got the foundation, Jesus Christ, Christ and Him crucified, the Word of the cross, and then a continual building upon that. So you have that represented by the gold, the silver, and the precious stones. In other words, that's the right way to build. Just keep relying on the power of God's Word, the truth of the Gospel. Don't start putting confidence in anything else. Whether it's um, organizations, programs, gifting, you know, eloquence of speech, education, whatever it is, pyrotechnics, you know, anything. <laughs> don't, don't put your confidence in anything other than the gospel. Keep it Christ-centered. That's what I think Paul has in mind here. The teachers that come behind me, Paul is saying, that are, that are building on the foundation that I have laid, their work must be consistent with mine. It must be all about Jesus. Because again, we're nothing. Paul says, I plant, they water. And we're one. At least I, ideally, we're all working to the same end. But we're nothing. We're just God's servants. We're just carrying out our assignments. So ideally, the teachers that come behind him preach consistently with the foundation he has laid, and that's gold, silver, precious stones. But to turn away from the gospel, like the Corinthians are doing here, to start to 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 downplay the gospel and begin to rely upon the wisdom of this age, the philosophy of this world, to begin to start, you know, figure out ways that we can make the gospel more palatable. We, we, we can change certain aspects of it, and that way people will be more receptive toward it. We just kind of help people digest it, right? That's what Paul's saying, be cautious of, be cautious of. Paul says, my, my message, the foundation that I laid, is foolishness to the world. <laughs> so guess what? When you, when you come behind Him, working, doing kingdom work, 
There's no way to avoid that. If you stay true to the Gospel, your message is going to be foolishness to the world. You're not going to turn on the television set one day and hear Oprah Winfrey talking about the wisdom of God in the exclusivity of the Gospel. I mean, unless she's saved, that's not going to happen. You're not going to you're not going to hear that on CNBC, Fox News. They may be balanced. They're they're not going to be balanced in that regard, <clears throat> unless the individual speaking is a Christian. It's not going to happen. It's these things are foolishness to the world. And Paul's saying, if if you want the truth, and if you want the power of God in operation then you must remain true to the Gospel. <clears throat> you cannot veer from it. If you do, that would be, uh, in the analogy here, in the metaphor, that would be the equivalent of building on His foundation with wood, hay, and straw. And it's not going to stand the test at the judgment day. Verse 13, Each one's work will become manifest. That is, whatever work you do, Paul says, it's like I was talking about earlier. You can patch up uh, sheetrock with toothpaste and paint over it and make it look good. Eventually, at some point, it's going to be manifest. And that's what he's saying. Each one's work will become manifest. It will be revealed for the day, and he has in mind there, the last day, the judgment day. The day will disclose it. If you resort to preaching the wisdom of the world, you probably will win some followers. The problem is, nobody's going to be helped. And in the end, when we all stand before the Lord, you're going to find that it has no eternal value. It'll be up in smoke quick. So he says, the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. In other words, it's going to be put to a fiery test. What we have done as a church is going to be put to a fiery test to see whether we have been building on the foundation of Jesus Christ with gold, silver, precious stones, that is, whether our teaching and behavior, our, our way of life has been consistent with the Word of God, God's plan of salvation, or whether we've been building with hay, with straw and wood, which would be, again, to veer away from the Gospel. So the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Now again, that's why I think when he, when he says, others come behind and build, that's what he has in mind there, is what kind of work we're doing. So, so in the metaphor, the building... In real life, I mean, the, the, act, the act of building in the metaphor in real life is, is the work that we're doing. The kingdom work. Or you could say, you know, whether or not it is genuine kingdom work. It's, it's how, we're, how we're reaching out, how we're conducting ourselves in this world. What we're saying, what we're preaching, what we're communicating. Are we, are we like the world or 
separate from the world. Remember, Paul's already told the Corinthians they're acting, as, they're acting like those who do not have the Spirit. So they're acting like the world. And he says in verse 14, If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, that is, if it survives the test of judgment at the day, at the last day, he will receive a reward. You'll be rewarded for your work. On the other hand, verse 15, If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Very interesting. Very, very interesting statement. Now, I've been saying all along that I think Paul is making it clear here from the very beginning of chapter 1 that he is assuming that he's addressing believers. He continues that here. It's amazing because with all the problems that the church of Corinth has, Paul continues to address them as believers. Now, there's, and he is speaking to the, to the church as a congregation, so he is speaking somewhat generally. But, and there's the possibility, in other words, that some of, their, some of them there are not saved. Possibility, I guess, that none of them are, maybe. But he seems to, to be convinced that they are. He says, My word came to you in power. In the Holy Spirit. Your lives were changed by the, by the pure gospel. And he says here, your work will be destroyed. If, if you build on the foundation that I've laid, if you build with wood, hay, straw, it's going to be destroyed at the judgment, but you yourself will be saved. But, in some sense, you miss out on some reward that you would otherwise have received. So, he says, you'll be saved, but only as through fire. Verse 16. I'm going to try to do this briefly because we're about out of time. <clears throat> Verse 16. Um, this is kind of Paul's own application of the metaphor. In other words, in other words what, is he, what is he saying in all of this? Verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple? When he says in the metaphor, you're God's building, what he has in view there is the temple of God, the dwelling place of God, the holy sanctuary. He's saying to the Corinthians, you're supposed to be a, a true alternative to the paganism around you. Now, why are you trying to look like them and why are you trying to live like them? They, they had their own temples and their own perverted forms of worship. And Paul is saying, don't you know that you, you, the congregation at Corinth, are the temple of God? And that God's Spirit dwells in you. Again, reaffirming, seems to me, that he believes they're, they're truly saved. He believes they're Christians that he's addressing. But they've lost focus. They've become carnal. That is, they're acting like those who don't have the Spirit of God. And he's reminding them, you do have the Spirit of God. You're, you're the temple of God. God's Spirit dwells in you. And then another strong warning in verse 17. And this 
It's kind of an elaboration on what he said back in verse 10. Back in verse 10, he said, Let each one take care how he builds upon it. I laid a foundation now. Watch out. Take heed. Be careful. Be careful how you build on the foundation I've laid. Why? Because you don't want to risk destroying the structure. Destroy the whole temple. Destroy the whole building. So here's the warning in verse 17. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. In the Greek, those two terms for destroy are back-to-back in the sentence. I mean, it's an intentional play on words. If anyone God's temple destroys, destroy him God will. That kind of a statement. You see what he's saying? He's trying to... He's trying to bring it across strong. You destroy God's house, God's dwelling place, God's temple, God will destroy you. For God's temple is holy. This is what he's been saying saying all along, isn't it? You're supposed to be different. You're supposed to be different from the world. The, the Corinthians, what, what it reminds me of here, they're, uh, they're turning toward worldly wisdom and, and, and getting all caught up with eloquence of speech and, and so forth, and the, the uh, personality-driven divisions and all of these things. What it reminds me of is, is uh, what we see a lot in our own day. We think, well, you know what? We're not reaching people. And if we can be more like them, we can make them more comfortable. And we'll get more people. We'll get more responses. Paul is saying, you're supposed to be separate. You're supposed to be different. You're you're holy. God's temple is holy. The Old Testament tabernacle and the temple... They, they, were, they were built and designed for the presence of God, not for the presence of all the surrounding pagan nations. They were, they were built to suit God according to His own plans, according to His own desires. Holy. You're separated. You're separate from the world. That's what the word holy means. Separate. Separated. Paul says, don't you know you're the temple of God and God's temple is holy. It's separate. That's why you were called out. That's what the church means. The called out ones. The the command is come out from among them and be separate. You're separate, separate from the world, separated from the world, and separated unto God for His use. What, what makes God's house, I mean, we're, we're thinking now in terms of the Old Testament temple, a literal, a literal building like Solomon's temple or the one that Herod built. What makes that, that building different from any other building? Well, why was it considered holy? Because it was consecrated for God's use. The, the stone itself was of the same essence you know, of any other stone. The lumber, 
There's no essential difference between that lumber and any other lumber. But it was set aside for God's purpose, for God's use. And that's what Paul is saying. That's what you are. You, the congregation. Don't you know you're the temple of God? God's Spirit dwells in you. And God's temple is holy. And you are that temple. Again, boy, it's always so good in the Scripture when you, when you read these strong warnings. Like here, you destroy God's temple, God will destroy you. And then Paul says, but you are that temple. <laughs> You're the temple of God. That's so good, isn't it? Coming after that warning. Or the writer of Hebrews warns them against... Again, straying away from the, the truth of God, leaving Christ, crucifying Christ. But then he goes on to say, but I'm persuaded of better things concerning you. So again, Paul's, Paul's saying, you're the church. You, you are the people of God. You are that temple, God's dwelling place. You, the congregation. So, Paul says, I laid a foundation. Now, you build. Be careful how you build. Build wisely. Paul says, I was a wise master builder and I laid the right foundation, Jesus Christ. Now, the work has to continue the same way. It has to be Christ-centered, gospel-centered. Our message today has to be that of the cross. Christ and Him crucified. Our, our news for sinners today has to be repent and come to Christ. You can love people and still tell the truth. The gospel message is the same. It hasn't changed. Is, is the world going to think we're foolish? Absolutely. Are they going to think the message is foolish? Absolutely. But you can't be swayed by that, Paul says. The work that you do, the building that you do, has to be consistent with the foundation already laid. Christ and Him crucified. No cross, no power. No power, no salvation. You're the temple of God, Paul says. You're going to look different. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way God has designed to get glory. Would you stand and we'll dismiss with a word of prayer. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation, which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.